Purdue fan because I'm a Michigan fan, and anybody playing Ohio State, I am a fan of them, so boiler up. Okay, well, let me ask a question. How many, let's see, how many have moved in the last year? How many have moved homes in the last year? Okay. Lommels, you don't count? I thought, has it, has it been longer than a year? Okay, yeah, I, I was looking around trying to figure out who has moved in the last year, and I knew quite a few of us have. The theme that I'm going to be working this morning out of John chapter 14 that Jesus is going to be working is the theme of home. And so, just to kind of warm you up a little bit, I'll tell you a quick story. Beth and I have had 14 different homes. We just put an offer on home number 15. Our 14th home was a 1970s model that we moved into six and a half-ish years ago. We spent time, money, energy, effort, labor to update this house to such a status that it was comfortable. We liked it. We, we, you know, we love our home. And then what do we do? We buy an older home that needs all that stuff again. Call me crazy. Something about home. So let me ask you this. I want to do a word association to get you warmed up to this message. The word is home, and you guys just tell me what comes to your mind. Somebody said comfort. Good answer. What's that? Family. Family. Comfort. Keep going. Somebody said dog. Somebody said dinner. My bed, my mattress, these are comfort items. Dinner is certainly a comfort item. Keep going. Home, what comes to your mind? Home or house? Repair. Re- <laughs> repair. <laughs> All right, yeah, that comes to my mind too. Okay, uh, one of the things that I didn't hear in America, it's just unfortunate, but it's, it's true, status, right? Status goes with the home. And so we've got comfort, safety, security, keeping us safe from the elements, keeping us out of the rain. We've got uh, uh, comfort, but we've also got status. So these are the ideas of home. And so this morning, we're going to kind of work that theme just a little bit. There's a theme in Scripture that starts in Genesis chapter 3 about us being wanderers, about us, us being aliens, about us being lost, about us being homeless, On this planet Earth. So let me read Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 22. It says, Then the Lord said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherub. And a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. And so here's the picture in Genesis. Man, woman, God creates a place for them. After he created them, he said, this is good. He created a place for them. He put them in the place. And this was a place that was made for them. You want to talk about comfort, security, safety, family. I don't know if repairs were on that list at this time. They're coming. But they had everything. They had what God created them for. He created them and then he created a place for them. And most importantly, in that place was God, the presence of God. And so what happens when man sins? There's a break in relationship and God says, no longer home, out you go. And that theme in scripture from from Genesis 3.22, it just moves on throughout the rest of scripture. We are called exiles. We are called aliens. We are called strangers. 
Jesus says, this earth is not your home. Your home is heaven. And so here we are on this planet earth. We're sharing earth together with 8, million pe- 8 billion people, but it's not our home. And so the question that I think the scripture is going to answer for us this morning is, where is our home and how do we get there? Where is our real home and how do we get there? And Jesus is going to answer that out of John chapter 14. I want to work the theme just a little bit with you. Uh, you got to lock in because I'm going to read a couple of scriptures. They're long, so just lock in with me for just a moment. I want to work this theme and make sure we get the idea. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. It says that these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on this earth. So the great hall of faith, Hebrews chapter 11 the people are admitting strangers and exiles on this earth. It says, chapter, or, uh, verse 14, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. Folks, this is our status. We are aliens and strangers on this planet. We're seeking a homeland. It says they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, They desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. So again, this idea of homelessness, wanderers, exiles, strangers were lost on this planet Earth. Let me read one more, John chapter 15, maybe two more. John chapter 15, 18. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world... But I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Listen, part and parcel of following Jesus is being in exile in this world. And the world, Jesus promises, is going to hate us. John chapter 17, verse 14. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. It goes on. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Behold, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. And so these are all ideas that, listen, we're strangers and aliens on this planet. Where is our real home? And how are we going to get there? I think that's what John chapter 14 is going to answer for us. These were all from the negative. I want to read you one from the positive real quick. It says, their end is destruction. Their, well, it doesn't sound positive yet, but it'll get there. Hold on. Uh, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things. That's the negative. Here's the positive. But our citizenship is in heaven. This is what Paul says in Philippians. Our citizenship is in heaven. Okay, so, here, so, so I think you see where I'm going with this. Where's our real home and how are we going to get there? So I'm going to turn over to John chapter 14. Let me read the verse, and then we're going to break it down into three sections just so you kind of know where we're going. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, 
and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Let's have a quick word of prayer, and then I'll jump into this message. Father in heaven, we do love you, and we do praise you. We do ask the question with the scripture, where is our real home, Lord, and how are we going to get there? We are wanderers, we are strangers on this earth, and we need to find the way home, and we can't do it without you. This morning, Lord God, as we come to your scripture, we just want to ask, as, um, as was asked already, we want to ask for a generous portion of your Holy Spirit this morning, that you would just fall on us and bless us this morning so that your word can change our lives. That's what we really desire, Lord God. We don't want to be where we were at when we came in here this morning. We want to be changed by your word. And so we ask your Holy Spirit to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, where's our real home? How do we get there? John chapter 14, verse 1, I think is going to teach us that finding our way home starts with belief in Jesus. Finding our way home starts with belief in Jesus. Listen to what it says. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Finding our way home starts with belief in Jesus. I want to give you a little bit of context. So far in in the book of John, Jesus has gone through his public ministry. He's come up to John chapter 13. He knows this is the end. And so he gathers those he loves the most around him. It's called the Upper Room Discourse. If you have a red-letter Bible, from 13 on through 17, it's all red. This is all Jesus speaking. He's trying to comfort his disciples before he goes. He knows he's going away. He knows he's going to the cross. And so he's telling his disciples all kinds of things. What he's already told them at this point is he said, I'm going to a place and you can't follow me. He says, I'm going to be betrayed by one of you. This this all happens in the upper room. One of you is going to betray me. He tells Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Now, this is supposed to be an encouraging time for the disciples. Jesus is going away. He's trying to encourage them. But he says, hey, I'm going to a place you can't follow me. Oh, by the way, one in this room is going to betray me. And oh, by the way, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Not so encouraging so far, but he's going to turn this into an encouragement. Throughout the rest of this this. Uh, discourse, he's going to turn this into an encouragement for his disciples. That's what he's trying to do, comfort them. So he starts by saying, do not let your hearts be troubled. Well, why would their hearts be troubled? I just kind of gave it away. He just told them, I'm going somewhere. Hey, the guy you've been intimately connected with for the last three years is going away. I'm leaving. This, This is a bit sensitive, but I'm trying to illustrate this a little bit. So I'll just use my family as an example. Let, let's say my wife finds out, she says, hey, I went to the doctor today and, you know, I've got cancer. I'm going away. Let not your heart be troubled. Oh, no, 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 no. My heart is troubled. Huh? Maybe that's happened to somebody in this room. I'm not trying to be insensitive. Is your heart going to be troubled? Jesus says, hey, I'm going away. But don't let your heart be troubled. He's going to get into it later why they don't have to have troubled hearts. But right now, this is the point. Jesus has given them an awful lot of bad news to this point. And I could imagine the anxiety. I, again, think of the anxiety maybe of somebody who's telling you, or maybe, maybe it's simpler than that. Maybe, hey, we've been best friends forever, but I'm moving away. I'm moving out of the country or out of the state. I think of Scott. He, he recently took off for six months. Maybe some of those close to him, he said, hey, I'm going away. I don't know. Just think with me, though. Let not your heart be troubled. 
Well, that's the point. That's why Jesus has to say this. Let not your heart be troubled. And he's going to give us the antidote for a troubled heart. Believe in God and believe also in me. The antidote for a troubled heart is belief in Jesus. Amen? The antidote for a troubled heart is belief in Jesus. I, well, let, let me just say this. Jesus makes an, an unquestionable statement of deity in this text. He's going to make a bolder one later, and I'll share a quote from C.S. Lewis with you later. He's going to make an even bolder one later. Jesus is God. Who else can say, believe in God, believe also in me? Jesus is God, very God. And so he tells them, the antidote for your troubled hearts is belief. Believe in me. Believe in my words. I am God. I am good. You got to put your trust in me. Uh, You know, there's times when I have a troubled heart. There's times when my faith is on shaky ground. There's times when it's hard to believe in God. There's times when it's hard to have faith. Amen? Does anybody feel that? Am I on an island here? I don't think so. We're all in the same boat. We're all in human skin. What's the antidote? Belief in God. One of the things I always try to kind of say is never fall lower than God is good. Hey, you're going through hard times? I know some people in here are going through hard times. Where's the, where's the bottom? God is good. Hey, hard times come. I'm never going to fall lower than God is good. One of the uh, texts that came to mind as I was reading this, let not your heart be troubled, is out of Psalm 27. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? God is good. Let me read the text one more time. John chapter 14, verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. So finding our way home starts with a belief in Jesus. I'll read verses 2 through 4. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Jesus knows the way home and promises to take us. Okay? Finding our way home starts with belief in God, and then he tells us Jesus knows the way home, and he promises to take us. Remember what Jesus has already told his disciples. He says, I'm leaving. I'm going to a place you can't follow me. And now he says, but where I'm going, I'm going to prepare a place, and then I'm coming back to take you to myself. You see the encouragement here? Now we're starting to get into the encouragement. We're starting to get into the encouragement. You know, sometimes when I think about this verse, let me read it again just so we're on the same page. He says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And so this concept of Jesus going to prepare a place for us I always had this idea of Jesus like strapping on a tool belt and getting a hammer and tape measure and stuff and he's going to make a place for us. And I think that's an okay thought. It's a good, that's probably where we naturally go. Jesus is going to prepare a place for us. The the point that I want to make sure that we get though is the preparation of the place is not hammer and nails. The place is there. In my father's house are many rooms. Jesus tells us plainly where the place is. In his father's house. Guess where you're going someday? 
dad's house. You're going home. You're going to your real home, right? Okay, so he says, in my father's house are many rooms. I go to prepare a place for you. The preparation is the cross. I just want to make sure we get that. The preparation is not hammer and nails. It's not like he got some property in heaven. It was in the low rent district. It's got to be fixed up a little bit. Hey, I'm going to prepare a place. I'll be back. That's not it at all. The preparation is the cross. I've said this before. I'll say it again. Our biggest problem is sin. Look, there's something that has hampered our relationship with God, and that is sin. I'll illustrate it this way. Tom and I have a relationship, okay? If I came up to Tom and and told him something, later he found out it's not true. Say, hey, Rob lied to me. Or if I, if I came up to Tom and disrespected him and said something mean to him, hey, Rob, Rob's not a knight. Rob's a mean person. What's between Tom and I now? Sin. Right? Sin's between Tom and I. Our relationship is not where it's supposed to be. Husbands and wives, you know what I'm talking about? Okay, I think enough said. There's something between us. And that something is sin. There's something between us and God. If it's important in human relationships, do you think it's important in the divine? Huh? There's something between us and our God. And God says that something is so important that you can't get there from here. There's nothing you can do. There's no work that you can do. You can't get to me. But here comes our champion. Here comes our Jesus. Here comes the one who lived a perfect life on our behalf. And then, oh, by the way, the punishment of sin is what? Death. God pronounced it. After living a perfect life, what does Jesus do? He dies in our stead. He dies in our behalf. And so the preparation, again, is removing what separates us from God, our sin, dying on the cross. The sinless one can't be held by death. Up from the grave he arose, and now his life is our life if we are in him. See? So the preparation is the cross. You guys probably knew that. I spent a lot of time on that, but you get it. The preparation is the cross. Okay. All right, so we've learned that the start to finding our way home begins with belief in Jesus. We also know that Jesus knows the way and promises to take us home. Next, we're going to learn that Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way home. Let me read John chapter 14, verses 5 through 7. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had not known me, you would have if you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on you know him and have seen him. And so Jesus knows the way. Jesus is the way. I think Thomas gets a bad rap sometimes in scripture. We call him doubting Thomas. Right? That's his kind of nickname from us Christians who sit two thousand years away and say, Oh, nasty old doubting Thomas. Well, listen. It's not like Thomas wasn't paying attention. Thomas gets mixed up in the metaphor of the perfect teacher, Jesus. Jesus says, I'm going to my father's house. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Thomas said, wait wait a minute. You're telling me I know the way. I don't know the way, Jesus. I think it takes a certain amount of boldness to ask Jesus anything. And so here's Thomas. And he said, hey, wait a minute. You're unclear. 
no, I am God. I am perfectly clear. That's probably what I would have said, but Jesus is like, okay, let me explain this. Let me break it down for you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm so thankful that Thomas asked that question because this passage of Scripture is an absolute comfort to us, is it not? If I asked you to raise your hand if you've ever memorized this or could recite this verse, I would imagine several of us would go, yeah, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What a beautiful passage that Thomas instigates for us by asking Jesus a question. Thank you, Thomas. I want to just talk about this for just a minute. Jesus says he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Jesus is the way to the Father because only he was without sin and only he defeated sin. I've already said this, but I'll say it again. There's nothing that you can do about your sin. You can't do enough good works to counter the bad works. It's just not the way it works. Matter of fact, God lays down a pretty high standard. He says, be perfect. Wait, 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 what? I can be pretty good. Or some of us, like maybe me, I can be okay. No, 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 that's not going to do it. You must be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Jesus, or God lays a pretty high standard, doesn't he? So how do we do that? Listen, we're in the Holy One. We're in the Sinless One. We're in Christ. I may have used this illustration before, but it's one of my favorite. Look, the ark. You're in or you're out, right? There were eight people in, and I don't know how many out, but a bunch. Look, you're in or you're out. Are you in Christ this morning? That's the question I have for you. Are you in Christ this morning? The invitation is wide open. He says, come to me, you who labor and are heavy laden, for I will give you rest. Jesus gives the invitation. He says, come to me. Are you in Christ or are you outside of Christ? That's the choice that we have to make this morning, right? Because Jesus is the way home. So the, so the antidote for our exiles, the antidote for our wandering is Jesus and only Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way. You're homeless, you're wanderers, you're exiles. There's only one way. It's Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth. Jesus is the truth because only he is the very word of God. That's how John introduces him. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word is God. If you think about it, what is Satan called? The father of lies. If you think about who the prince and power of the air is on this earth, then we can know what this earth is all about. It's lies. And so Jesus comes along and says, I'm the truth. Throughout the book of John, I love it because Jesus says over and over again, hey, I'm not speaking on my own authority. I'm speaking the words that the Father has given me. Jesus says that at least two or three times in the book of John. I'm speaking the words that the Father has given me. Jesus is the truth. If you have a distorted reality, it's because you're not listening to Jesus. If I have a distorted reality, it's because I'm not listening to Jesus. Jesus is the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the life because God announced death as the penalty for sin. Only Jesus lived a sinless life, so death, so the death he died, he died on our behalf. 
The just died for the unjust because he was without sin. Death could not hold him. Jesus is the life. All of us are born in a condition, in human skin, sin. Penalty for sin, God announced, death. Only Jesus lived the perfect life. So Jesus can say, without reservation, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Are you in the way? Are you in the truth? Are you in the life? Do you have life this morning? These are the questions that we got to answer. The other point that I think Jesus makes that, again, if the world is full of Satan's lies, and we gotta, we got to listen to the truth here, what does the world say about how to get to heaven? Oh, heaven is a mountain. There are many paths up the mountain. You choose one that suits you, that's good for you, that's right for you. There are many paths to heaven. What does Jesus say here? He's refuting the lies of Satan, and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Christianity is exclusive. Jesus says he is the only way. It is not nice to be inclusive. We are not doing a service to our friends and neighbors when we agree with them that there are many paths to heaven. Choose one that suits you. Christianity is exclusive. Jesus is exclusive. He is the truth. And he's the way. And he's the life. If you want those you love to have life, invite them to the exclusive way. Only Jesus. We on the same page? Okay. I don't know what my time is, but I sense that uh, stomachs are growling. So let me, let me start to close this down. So the question we asked is, where is our real home and how do we get there? The answer is that heaven is our real home and Jesus is the way there. Heaven is our real home and Jesus is the way there. That's what I think John chapter 14, 1 through 7 teaches us. I want to give a couple of applications. Let me read this scripture one more time. John chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Think about where Jesus was when he gave this announcement to the disciples. Think about where Jesus was when he does this upper room discourse and spends John chapter, really, 13 through 17 talking to his disciples. He was staring down the cross. And he spends a bunch of words, a bunch of chapters in John trying to comfort them. Listen, if Jesus, before he defeated death was comforting his disciples. After he defeated death, do you think we have an advocate in heaven? Huh? Listen, team, we can no longer say nobody cares. Nobody loves me. I'm all alone. We can't say that anymore because we have an advocate in heaven. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus is at the right hand of God, interceding on your behalf right now. We have an advocate in heaven. If Jesus cared for his disciples the very night that he was going to the cross, you think Jesus loves you? You think Jesus cares for you? You think you have an advocate in heaven? 
Amen, you do. Second point of application, the exile is almost over. We are indeed strangers and aliens on this earth. The world hates us because we love Jesus. But do not let your hearts be troubled. Jesus has made a way. And it is worth the cost. It is worth the cost. We have no idea, even in the best of human relationships, even in the best home that is super comfortable, it suits us perfectly. It gives us status and comfort and security and family and no repairs. Even there, we are strangers and exiles on this earth. None of that can compare to heaven. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Remember the garden. The dwelling place of man was with God in the garden. We're going back. God's going to make all things new. We're going to have unmediated access to God the Father. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Some of you have tears in your hearts this morning. They're just not pouring out of your eyes because church ain't the place for that. Hey, we're going to a place where no more tears no more sin, no more sorrow. Look, the effects of sin have ravaged all of us. Come on, team. And our sin has ravaged those we love. Who's going to do away with that? Jesus. Who knows the way to the Father's house? Jesus. How do we get there? Jesus. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Jesus is the life. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Again, application. Colossians 3. If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things on this earth. I told you, Beth and I bought a home Spent time, money, energy, effort, a repair-laden house. Jesus says, set your minds on things above. Where Jesus is seated at the right hand of the throne. Let me read that passage one more time. If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on things on this earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Team, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. We are exiles and wanderers on this earth. Where is our real home? It's heaven. It's the Father's house. How do we get there? Jesus. I'll call the, uh, the team up if you want. Um. Let me just say a quick prayer for you guys. Then we'll lead into ministry time, okay? This is an opportunity for us to respond to the word of God. This is an opportunity for us to respond to the way, the truth, and the life, amen? 
If the way, the truth, and the life wants to have his way with you, you better come down and get it squared away, team. That's what ministry time is all about. The word has to have his way with us. If we want to walk out of here different people, let the word work you and then come up and get some prayer for it. Amen. Amen. Father, we do love you. We do praise you. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you're our champion, that you found a way to the Father's house. You've defeated sin, death, hell, the grave. Thank you for being the way, the truth, and the life. Work your way in our lives. Amen.